0: Why did God tell them, do not, do not associate with the ungodly nations? If you do, they'll turn you away from the Lord. They'll turn your children away from the Lord. Why did God tell them not to join in their worship? And why were they told to hold fast to the Lord their God? Today, I want you to know why I, as your pastor, and why godly leaders across the country today get concerned for your family's eternal welfare when we see indicators that point out God is not first in your life. There's a reason why Joshua said this. You see, as time had passed by, the people compromised, and they did not hold to the word of God. And right now in the book of Jeremiah, we see that the consequences of their choices begin to catch up with them. We heard that last week. God promised them, if you turned from the Lord, you're going to suffer. Friend, the saying is just as true today as it was thousands of years ago. Whenever Moses said it to the two tribes in the book of Numbers 32, he said to them, be sure of this. Be sure that your sins will find you out. In Jeremiah, we find here that the sins of the people is finding them out. Jeremiah prophesies, we don't have a whole bunch of time, but if we took the time and we look back, Jeremiah prophesies to the people of, about this judgment that is about to overtake them. Jerusalem had to be punished because of her oppression. The wickedness of Jerusalem was so profuse that it gushed forth like filthy, dirty water. Unless she would take warning, unless she would repent, she would become desolate. That's what Jeremiah said to him. And Jeremiah says to him earlier in the chapter that God would have Babylon glean Jerusalem as one gleans a vine when gathering grapes. Now, Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 10, that's where we're going to start. And it says, to whom can I speak and give a warning? Who will listen to me? Their ears are closed so they cannot hear. The word of the Lord is offensive to them. They find no pleasure in it at all. But I am full of the wrath of the Lord, and I cannot hold it in. Pour it out on the children in the street and on young men gathered together, both husband and wife will be caught in it. And the old, those weighed down with years, their houses will be turned over to others together with their fields and their wives. When I stretch out my hand against those who live in the land, declares the Lord. And we're going to stop there. Father God, we pray that you would add a blessing to the reading of your word. I pray that you'd give us ears to hear, a spirit that would understand And Lord, hearts that will receive from you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So as Jeremiah, the prophet, stands up to warn the people, we find that the people refuse to listen to him. They have closed not only their hearts, but they've closed their ears to Jeremiah and to the word of the Lord. It's gone beyond refusing to listen. Now they've come to a point where the scripture says that they cannot hear the word of the Lord. That's a dangerous place to be in when you cannot hear the warning of the Lord. When you cannot hear the word of the Lord, you, my friend, are in a dangerous place. There are people in churches today who at one time so clearly heard that still small voice at one time as they look back, they could hear the voice of the Lord so clearly. They could hear his voice of correction. They could hear his voice of guidance. And now they say, God doesn't speak to me. My friend, God still speaks today. There's just some people who don't want to listen. There's some people who because of their rebellion, because of their rebellion, what happened was they were deaf. They became deaf to the voice of God. They were no longer able to hear. And at one time, When God spoke and they would start to go in the wrong direction, they would hear that voice of correction. They'd hear that voice of guidance. And there's some people who today can be living in out and out sin and they feel okay because God doesn't say anything to them about it. My friend, God's still speaking. Their ears have become dull and they've become deaf to the voice of God. In fact, the word of the Lord has become offensive to them, the scripture says. They don't like to hear it. Isn't it something that the word of the Lord is offensive to them? They're not offended by all the garbage that surrounds them. They're not offended by all of their sins and by all of their rebellion, but they're offended by the word of the Lord. Isn't it something, once again, in churches across America today, that people go into church and they leave angry because of something that the man of God declared to them? That they're not offended. Listen, they get offended whenever you step on their feet. People get offended whenever you tell them the truth sometimes. And the truth does hurt, but the truth is for our good. And what he's saying is the man of God, the word of the Lord was offensive to them, but they were not offended by their sins. It's funny, people will leave churches and they're offended, but they're not offended by all the garbage that they watch on TV. They're not offended by a vice president and a president who's pro-homosexual marriages. They're not offended by all the abortion. They're not offended by all the garbage in their lives, by all the pornography, by all the evil, by all the backbiting, by all the gossip. They're not offended by that stuff. But they're offended at the man of God. Can I just say this to you? I'm getting a little fed up with that. That it's terrible in America that we will be offended at the word of God. We should have hearts. We should have hearts today. We should have hearts today that when God speaks to us, that we fall on our faces before him and we thank him for his kindness and his grace and his mercy to us. If you are watching a TV preacher and he's preaching the word and it offends you, you should send a dude some money and tell him thank you because I need to hear the word of the Lord. And if you're in church today and if we say something that offends you, you should come up when we're done and you should pat me on the back and say, thank you, pastor, for loving me enough To still tell me the truth. Because in the last days. Let me tell you what's going to happen. People are going to gather to themselves. Teachers who have itching ears. Who will tell people what they want to hear. My friend. They're going to tell them what they want to hear. The whole way to hell. They're going to tell them what they want to hear. The whole way to the destruction of their families. To the destruction of their society. And Jeremiah the prophet. Jeremiah had a horrible job. He had a horrible job. He would get up and he would preach his heart out. And people hated him for it. They hated it. He was beaten. He had all kinds of terrible things. And the hardest thing was this message from the Lord was upon his heart. And it was burning inside of him. Why? Because he loved the people. He cared about their future. He saw the destruction that was coming. And they would not listen. Verse 11 reminds us. It reminds me, as you read that, of someone who is vomiting, and I don't want to gross you out, but you ever get like sick, and it starts to build up, and you're like, "Oh, I don't feel good." Well, in verse 11 it says, "But I am full of the wrath of the Lord, and I cannot hold it in." That's Jeremiah's words. "I'm full of the wrath of the Lord. I know what's coming. It's building up inside until finally he cannot contain it any longer." And the reality of it is as God was sick at the evil and the rebellion of his people, and he couldn't bear it any longer, and his wrath is going to be poured out on all elements of society, from young to old, and everyone in between. And the people would lose. Listen to what they would lose. They said that you'll lose your houses. They were going to lose their homes. They were going to lose their fields. Their fields today will be equal to your jobs. If a man lost his fields, he had no way of providing. They were an agrarian society. So if he lost his fields, he had no way of providing an income for his family and support for his family. And they were going to lose their wives. They were going to lose their families. They were going to lose their marriages. Now, I want you to know today, life goes in seasons. There's are seasons of blessings and there's are seasons of testing. There's seasons of refreshment and there's seasons in which we are just worn out. We're just going full speed ahead. I believe with all my heart that we're in the season of testing right now. We're in a season where the enemy is coming against the people of God. And the enemy's throwing all kinds of, some of you are facing temptations that you're like, where is that coming from? What on earth, is, man, what's going on? What are these attacks? And I've seen some where I just stand back and see this kind of laugh because you're just like, This is crazy. This isn't just a normal attack. It's just profound. The attacks, the enemy is coming against families. He's coming against marriages. He wants to destroy your household. He wants to do everything he can to tear you down. And friend, I want you, if you don't know that that's happening, you need to open your eyes and look around because the enemy is coming against the people of God in a profound way. And I know this. The word of God tells us very clearly that when the enemy comes in like a flood, that the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. But I want you to understand this. If you are not staying close to the Lord, if you are not drawing near to him, if you are not in the safety of his ark and under his protection and obeying his word, you will be wiped away with those who refuse to get into the ark. So whenever difficult times come and challenging times come, God gives us a way out. But you and I have to take that way. We have to hold on and we have to draw near to him and we need to be aware. You know, the word says we're to be sober, we're to be vigilant because our adversary, the devil, goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's not going to devour all of us, but he's looking for that one who's not paying attention, that one whose heart is drifted away, that one whose heart is following after the things of this world. And my friend, he will make a mockery of you. Now, why is this taking place in the scripture? Verse 13 tells us. From the least to the greatest, all are greedy for gain. Prophets and priests alike, all practice deceit. They dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious. We're playing games. Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. Are they not ashamed of their loathsome conduct? No, they have no shame at all. They don't even know how to blush. So they will fall among the fallen. They'll be brought down when I punish them, says the Lord. Now, why is this judgment that's coming upon jerusalem through the babylonians coming because all aspects of society have become corrupt and they are filled with greed the scripture says that prophets and priests alike they're even more guilty because they've given the people a sense of a false sense of security they refuse to confront the sin because they themselves are living in sin And they feel no shame over it. The word says that they can no longer blush. They don't even have an embarrassment about their sin anymore. They dress the wound as though it were not serious and tell the people everything is going to be okay when it's not. And why do they do that? Why do they do that? Because they want man's approval. You know what they also want? They're greedy. They know that if I tell people what they want to hear, they'll keep coming back to the temple and our financial situation will keep working out well. So they gloss over sin as a result of their own greed. If I tell them what they need to hear, they're not going to like that. And they're not going to want to keep bringing their offerings to the temple. And we make our living off of the offerings that come into the temple. And that was their mindset that day. And so they would say things like this. Oh, you're out on Saturday night partying. Oh, God understands. Oh, you're divorcing your wife because you don't get along. Oh, God understands. Oh, you're filled with anger and bitterness and resentments towards someone who offended you months ago. Oh, God understands. Oh, you gossip about people and talk behind their backs. Oh, God understands. Oh, you're greedy and you're selfish and you're self-centered. Oh, God understands. You're disrespectful toward authority, and God understands. You're sexually immoral, and you're living with your boyfriend. Oh, God understands. Oh, you're filling your mind with lustful material and thoughts. God understands. Oh, you're having an inappropriate relationship with someone you're not married to at work. Oh, God understands. Oh, you're too prideful to admit that you're wrong. Oh, God understands. Oh, you're rebellious and you refuse to submit to authority. Well, you're brought up that way. God understands. Let me be straight up with you. He doesn't understand. And any pastor or any preacher who tells you God understands why you are living in sin and rebellion against God while you're disobeying him straight out is lying to you. They don't care about your soul. They don't care about your future. They don't care about your eternity. They have a selfish motive for telling you that. God does not understand why you would rebel against him. God calls you to repentance and he gives you a choice. Repent and be forgiven and enjoy the blessing of the land or continue in your rebellion and suffer the consequences. Repentance is not... Repentance is not justifying or explaining away your sin. Repentance is not, I'm sorry, and then going back to that same thing and doing it over again every day. That's not repentance. Repentance involves confessing your sin. Naming it for what it is. Well, you know, I made some mistakes. No, you didn't make some mistakes. You lied to somebody. If you lied to them, go tell them you lied. Well, you know, in the past, I've fallen short. No, you haven't fallen short. You've been cheating on your wife. You need to go and repent of it. You need to turn back from it. And this mentality that says, oh, I've made some mistakes. No, we need to truly confess our sins. God, I am absolutely wrong. And if I lied about you, I need to go to tell somebody. I need to go to them face to face and say, I lied to you. If I stole from you, I need to go to you, and I need to stand face to face to you, and I need to say to you, you know what? I've been stealing from you, and I'm wrong. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Repentance involves confessing, turning from it, and doing what is necessary to make it right. It's not, oh, yeah, oh, hey. Oh, God, you know, I did this. Forgive me. Amen. That's not Repentance. We've come to this place where people think that's repentance. They think repentance is just saying a 30-second, you feel convicted at church, and it's a a three-second, I'm sorry. Sorry, God, and I'm out of here. That's not repentance. And then we wonder, and repentance also involves forsaking that sin. If you're still doing the same old thing that you repented of, you've not repented. If you're still lying, if you're still cheating, you're still doing all this crazy stuff, you've not repented. You may have said you're sorry. And you may want to deceive yourself, but today there's a wake-up call, and I'm telling you, you've not repented. If you're still doing it, you are still dead in your trespasses in sin. You need to be made alive in Christ Jesus. You need to have him take that old man and put him to death, put to death whatever belongs to the sinful nature, and allow Christ to resurrect you and bring you back to life. This is what the Lord says, verse 16. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient path. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. But you said, we will not walk in it. Now, someday I'm going to do a whole message on this verse, but we're not going to be able to do that today. But here's the reality. Some of you stand at a crossroads. And life is a lot like hopping on the turnpike or a, an expressway. You can't always get off just whenever you want. You can't always just stop, put it in reverse, and back up. You can't do that. Oftentimes in life there are moments or opportunities that come your way and which you can get off. And then you're on the road. Sometimes you get on and you gotta ride that road until the next opportunity to get off comes, the next exit. You can't always just stop right where you are and climb over the fence of the turnpike or back up. There's a huge crash. It doesn't work that way. There are opportunities that God brings in our lives. When you come to one of those opportunities, he's saying, you're at a crossroads right now. Some of you are at a crossroads right now. You're at one of those places where he's saying, stop where you're at before you go any further. Stop and look. I want you to look down the road that you're headed. And it may look okay, but I want you to look to see where it's truly taking you. Is that where you want to end up? And examine, and this is what he says. Look at the direction it's taking you. Seek help for the ancient paths. Stand at the crossroads, ask for the ancient path, ask where the good way is, and walk in it, and you'll find rest. The ancient path is not about a style. Some people want to do that, and they want to tell you that the ancient path is about a style. It's not about a style. It's, it's not about piano and organ. The ancient path is not about a method. This is talking about the ways of the Lord. The ancient path is a narrow way. That few there be that find it, the scripture says. It's not the broad way that leads to destruction. You're to seek it out. And when you find it, you're to follow it for it's a good path that leads to rest for your soul. It's a good path. It's not the easiest path. It's not the broad path. You got to seek out the ancient path. You need to find the ways of the Lord and walk in them. Sometimes they don't seem, it seems so much easier just to stay on that broad way. But the word says that the broad way is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be that follow it. Now verse 17, he says this. He says, I appointed watchmen over you and said, listen to the sound of the trumpet. But you said, we will not listen. Therefore, hear, O nations, observe, O witnesses, what will happen to them. Hear, O earth, I am bringing disaster on this people. The fruit of their schemes, because they have not listened to my words and have rejected my law. What do I care about incense from Sheba or sweet calamus from a distant land? Your burnt offerings are not acceptable. Your sacrifices do not please me. The people refused to listen. And back then they didn't have text. They didn't have early warning systems. They didn't have cell phones. And so they would set up a number of things. They would set up a signal fires and they would burn signal fires. They would send a messenger who would come and provide them with warning. They would set a watchman on the wall, and he would sound the alarm. But these people refused to listen to the messengers that God sent them. They refused to listen to the alarms, and they said, we're not going to listen. We're not going to do it. We refuse to listen. They've hardened their hearts. And the people felt secure. First of all, the priests were telling them everything's okay. Guys, don't worry about it. Here's this crazy Jeremiah, and he's telling you that God's judgment's coming. Please, repent. Stop going those ways. And actually, Jeremiah was beaten. He had all kinds of stuff happen to him. I encourage you to read through the book of Jeremiah. It's a, not really a great read, but I encourage you to read through it. They had these people fooled that their external services would atone for their sin. And that by giving God these offerings that God would then be indebted to them instead of them being indebted to God. God would become their debtor. Thus, they would purchase a license to keep on sinning. Listen to me. No amount of external service or gift can make up for a divided heart. You can give to the building fund. You can help with the food bank. You can pay double tithes. God's not really impressed with that. Well, pastor, you can come and volunteer. You can work with all the different ministries of the church, and you can teach a Sunday school class. And if your heart's divided, it's not pleasing unto the Lord. You can volunteer and help your neighbors and serve at every nonprofit organization in our community, and God is not impressed. In fact, you can start your own nonprofits. You can start your own businesses. And you know what? It doesn't move God's heart especially when people come to the point to have this arrogance, they think that because I'm serving, then God must be okay with what I do. As a pastor, it doesn't matter how good of a message or how bad of a message I preach or how many people I visit in the hospital or how many new programs we implement. If my heart is divided with God, all of that stuff is garbage before him. Now, you may be impressed with it, and someone else may, but God is not impressed with it. And it's not about impressing other people around us. It's about impressing Him. He's the one. He's the one who needs to see that our hearts are fully devoted to Him. Imagine your spouse having an affair, and then buying you a car, or remodeling the bathroom to make up for it. Like, I can tell you what you can do with the car. And know that what you'd say? Did you remember the lady from texas who ran over her husband with the car the dentist like it caught it on tape Or can you imagine this your wife has an affair? And then she says well, hey, how about I start mowing the lawn for you all summer to make up for that? Are you stupid? Are you kidding me? In fact those gifts and those offerings would make you angry wouldn't it? I don't want your stupid car I don't care about your stupid bathroom. I can mow my own lawn. What am I looking for? I'm looking for you to be devoted to me and love me only. That's what I want. I want you to be faithful to me. I don't want those external things. And that's God's heart to the people. The offerings that they brought him actually repulsed him. It angered him. Listen to the words of Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 11. The multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord? I have more than enough burnt offerings of ram and the fat of fat of animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you? This trampling of my courts. Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moon, Sabbath, and convocations. I cannot bear your evil assemblies. Your new moon festivals and your appointed feasts my soul hates. They become a burden to me. I'm weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my face from you. Even if you offer many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Look at verse 16. Wash and make yourself clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Encourage the oppressed, defend the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of widows. Listen to this verse, we're familiar with this verse. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are as red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the best from the land. But if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Friend, when you begin to think that your sin is okay because you come to church on Sunday morning and Wednesday night and throw in occasional Sunday school or a special event, my sin's okay because I sing loud, because I raise my hands, because I volunteer my time, because I throw in my offering, because I do good deeds. When you begin to think that that somehow makes up for your sin or justifies your sin, you are deceived. You are blind. You do not know the truth. And anyone who tells you that by giving your offering, by becoming a member of a church, by serving in a ministry, that somehow that excuses you to do what you want, they're lying to you. It's not true. Those things are not pleasing him. If he does not first have your heart and your obedience. That's what he longs for. He longs for your heart. God longs for your heart. He longs for your desires to be upon him. Your love to be for him. Listen to verse 21. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. I'll put obstacles before this people. Fathers and sons alike will stumble over them. Neighbors and friends will perish. This is what the Lord says. Look, an army is coming from the land of the north. A great nation is being stirred up. From the ends of the earth, they are armed with bow and spear. They are cruel and show no mercy. They sound like the roaring sea as they ride on their horses. They come like men in battle formation to attack you, O daughter of Zion. We have heard reports about them, and our hands hang limp. Anguish has gripped us. Pain like that of a woman in labor. Do not go out to the fields or walk on the roads, for the enemy has a sword and there is terror on every side. O my people, put on sackcloth and roll in ashes. Mourn with bitter wailing as for an only sudden, for suddenly the destroyer will come upon you. This is God speaking to Jeremiah. I've made you a tester of metals and my people the ore, that you may observe and test their ways. They are hardened rebels going about to slander. They are bronze and iron. They all act corruptly. The bellows blow fiercely to burn away the lead with fire, but the refining goes on in vain. Underline that in your Bible. The wicked are not purged out. They are called rejected silver because the Lord has rejected them. We don't have time to get into this, the destruction of the temple. The abuse and the suffering that these people, that Jerusalem endured, is so inhumane. It would just literally blow you. The most evil, mean, horrible things that people can do to people are the things that took place there. The suffering, the anguish, the pain, seeing their families slaughtered in front of them, just raping their wives and killing their children in front of their very eyes, the starving to death, just horrible, horrible suffering that they endured. Jeremiah is trying to prevent this, but the people continue to harden their hearts. And God tells Jeremiah that he's made him a tester of metals, and the people are the ore. In this process, God has been trying to burn away the dross. But the process goes on in vain. And can I say this to you? There's some of you that you're in the midst of the fire. And in the midst of the fire, the fire's not always bad. In the midst of the fire, there's times where God's trying to reveal what's true and what's real. And he's trying to burn away the junk in your life. Don't rush from it. Don't hide from that. Thank him for the fire. Because the fire is a refining thing in which God makes you into the man or the woman that you're supposed to be. And so when you're in the midst of that, give him praise. Lord, I trust you in the midst of this difficult time. But God tried in this process. It talks about the bellows. And what they had was it was these animal skins these things that they'd step on, they would, and they were made of animal skin, and they would step on them, and all the air would rush in underneath the fire to make the fire burn hotter and hotter. And then they'd lift it up, and then they'd step on it again. And that's how they tried to get the fire hotter and hotter. And God says, I turned up the fire in your life, but you wouldn't let this refining process work. And there's some people here today who God's been turning up the fire in your life. And he's trying to burn away the dross and the garbage. But you won't cooperate with him. You don't allow him. And God would turn it up hotter and hotter. And it was this process. God's intention was to burn away the junk and to refine them. But they would not allow that. One commentator wrote, there's a consuming fire for those who would not be purified by a refining fire. You know, and it's funny, in church we sing songs about consuming fire. You don't want the consuming fire to come on your life. The consuming fire burns up everything. We sing, it's kind of crazy. We make up songs and we sing some crazy songs. Like consuming fire just wipes you out. We don't want that. For those who will not allow God's refining fire, the silver was so full of alloys that it became worthless. And God rejected them. That's something we don't like to talk about. As a church, we always like to talk to you about God's grace and his mercy and his love and his forgiveness. But there comes a time in which God rejects. There comes a time whenever people's sin and rebellion reaches a certain point And God says, that's enough. There's opportunities that please don't that people say, oh, I can't believe God to do that. Let me tell you something. God sent His only Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. He showed you His love. His Son suffered the punishment that you and I bear for our sins. He bore all of that upon the cross. But if you choose to reject Him, if you choose to deny Him, if you choose to refuse His offer of love and mercy and forgiveness, then that has nothing to do with God. That has everything to do with you. He will not force you. He will not force you to serve him. He will not force you to follow after him. They refuse to allow God to remove the impurities from their lives and they continue on in their own stubborn ways headed for destruction. This is the hard part. I have no doubt. There's not a bit of doubt in my mind that there are people who attend Lighthouse Assembly of God who are stubborn, And who keep rejecting God's word. And they will spend eternity separated from him. I have no doubt. There's not a doubt in my mind. That there are people who walk in our doors. And refuse to listen to the voice of God. Now you know what? They may be a Sunday school teacher. They may be a ministry worker. And yet their hearts are going after other things. Why is that? Because the inclinations of their hearts are evil, and they refuse to turn. And the word they heard today will stand in judgment over them. Remember, he called the people who were watching, the nations. He said, you will stand in judgment. You are witnesses of this. This is what's coming their way. But in the midst of it, God gives them opportunity after opportunity to repent and to turn. And as I said that to you, you know, one of the most difficult things as a pastor is this. And we go through seasons of this. There's seasons whenever we preach messages like this, where this isn't like on, can I tell you, this isn't on the calendar. This isn't out of somebody else's book. I believe this is from the heart of the Lord. And I believe it's a timely message for some people. I believe it's for some people for today. The reality of it is there's people who choose to continually harden their hearts and they choose to not listen to the voice of God and they choose to go their own way. And as a pastor, I stand up and there's been seasons of that where I preach and your heart is so heavy for people. Your spirit is so heavy for them because you understand the consequences that they are bringing upon themselves and upon their families. But you know what, there comes a time when as a leader, you tell people the truth and you let them make their decision. I can't keep begging you. I can't keep pleading with you. You know, sometimes when the bus pulls out, the bus pulls out. And I'd like you to be on the bus. I'd like you to be there. I'd like you to go along for the ride. But you don't have to. The reality of it is, is the whole body can't wait while you play games with God, going back and forth, and maybe I want to serve God, maybe I don't want to serve. These words will stand in judgment over somebody. And so you need to make up your mind. You need to make up your mind, God, am I going to follow you, or am I going to go after the world? And if you're going back and forth, you're playing games, and you're in a dangerous place, you need to heed the warning this morning. But pastor, I'm married to Christ. I entered into covenant with him. Well, then if you're married to him, act like you're married to him. Quit being the harlot. If you're married to him, show that you love him by the way that you follow him. Don't tell me you love God and continue to gauge in spiritual adultery. Quit setting your affections and your desires upon other things. And love and obey the Lord and serve him with all your heart. Because if you reject him, he will reject you. Amen. Amen. That's today. Blessings.